0: Hey guys, Toolman Tim here. Thanks for dropping by my weekly workshop, coming to you from the frozen tundra that is East Central Alberta, Canada. For those new arrivals to our community, the weekly workshop features a compilation of my content from the last seven days, including, but not limited to, inspiration for would-be side hustlers and full-time giggers, tool and gear reviews, and finding financial and lifestyle freedom through entrepreneurship. And also, if you prefer your content of the video variety, you can find it all at toolmantim.co. Thanks for taking the time to have a listen, and with that, let's dive into this week's edition of the Weekly Workshop. Hey guys, Toolman Tim here. Welcome back to the workshop where we build business, create community, find freedom, and share success. It's Monday morning, which means it's time for another Money Making Minute, and this week I, did, I thought we would do something kind of different. I I heard this week that uh, DeWalt had finalized another acquisition of another major company, and I remembered back to my days when I worked in uh, selling tools, and it seemed like every single week I'd find out about another company that uh, Stanley, Black & Deckard, whatever it is, you wanna call them, owned. So I thought it'd be fun. Hey, this week, let's take a look at all the companies that are under the DeWalt umbrella. All right guys, real quick before we dive into the meat of this week's segment, if you want to know more about me, toolmantim.co, and over there you'll find the shop where I have over a hundred links to Amazon products that I have personally used that meet the Tim the Toolman seal of approval, things that have either made me money or saved me money in my business or real life, and just all around good products that absolutely work. So if you're looking for a solution to a whole bunch of different categories like painting, hand tools, cordless tools, and prepping related items. Go over there and check that out. I got a whole bunch of stuff there that if you pick any of that up, it helps support this channel and the content that I create. So thanks guys. All right. So like I said, guys, I just seen a new article that talked about DeWalt. They just bought MTD. And if you haven't heard of MTD before, or you're not sure what, what MTD is, I'm going to let you know. But apparently a couple of years ago, DeWalt bought, or I call it DeWalt, Stanley Black & Decker actually is the parent company. I just talk about DeWalt a lot. You know how it is, but Stanley Black & Decker bought a 20% stake in MTD, which is one of, if not the biggest lawnmower company in the United States. And a couple of weeks ago, they decided to buy the rest of the 80%. So they now own if not the largest, one of the largest American mowing companies. Period. That's now under their umbrella, and I know they've been pushing really hard to get into the um, yard care, lawn care, that kind of work uh, field, and they're they're doing it. And now this is a huge investment. So now you've got Stanley Black and Decker, who also owns MTD. So if you're saying, Tim, I don't know MTD, you might know Cub Cadet you might know Yard Machine, you might know Troy Troybilt, Rover, Remington. <laughs> they own all of those lines. They even at one time had been developing their own in-house um, motor because there was a big lawsuit and everything. Anyway, these guys are behind almost all the brands that you see at Walmart, well, up in Canada here, Canadian Tire, Home Hardware, any of the big box stores that have, you know, mid, mid-level to low-level mowers, there's a good chance that MTDs behind a good portion of them. So that's the big one. And that's what inspired me to take a look at some of the other companies. And I thought it was pretty cool. Again, MTDs, an American made company going underneath of another American made company. And it's really neat. So let's take a look. We'll work our way backwards to see some of the big brands. You might be surprised. It's like, oh yeah, I didn't know they owned that. I thought that was their own company. I thought it would be kind of fun for a Monday morning for you guys. So here's another one that you might not have known. You guys remember back in 2017 when Sears went belly up? Well, again, Black & Decker said, hey, don't worry, we can take care of that. (laughs) So they slid in and they bought the, the rights to the craftsman name. So now all of those craftsman tools that you see out in They seem like they're just about everywhere right now. They're all being made by Black & Decker Stanley. I thought that was kind of cool. That's something I didn't know at all until just recently. So, is that good or bad? I'm not sure. But again, it's another brand that's being kept alive that has roots way back. I don't know if I wrote down. I didn't actually write when the Craftsman brand started, but. Craftsman has been around for a long time, an American-made brand that is now being held on and at least propped up by another company. So that's kind of neat. And of course, when you hear the hyphenated power couple name of Stanley, Black, and Decker, that happened back in 2010. They both merged. They were both large enough that one couldn't swallow the other. And they thought, well, we need, (laughs) if we're going to merge, because Black and Decker and Stanley, of course, had a lot of tools, Black and Decker on the power tool side, Stanley more on the hand tool side. They said, hey, we can be a Brangelina couple. And they came together and they said, here we are. We're now Stanley Black and Decker. And it's a mouthful, but that is the name that they're known by at this point. So then going back further, Stanley bought Porter Cable Tools back in 2004. So they were Stanley Porter Cable. And underneath the Porter Cable brand also came Delta Delta Machinery, uh, Beaver, Rockwell, All of those, maybe a little bit less, more obscure kind of products, but Delta's still around. Rockwell's made a resurgence. And if you wanted to know, I thought this was kind of neat too. Porter Cable was founded as a machine tool company back in 1906. And again, another American-made company, which was kind of cool. So that one was a century old when Black & Decker picked it up. So they've got MTD, they've got Craftsman, they've got Porter Cable, Delta, Stanley, Black & Decker, and we'll keep moving on down the list. So way back in the year of 1986, Stanley bought Bostitch, and I'm sure you guys have seen, they've kept the Bostitch line going. That is a fastener company that was founded in the late 1800s as a wire stitching company, a company that would use wire to stitch books together, hence the name Bostitch, I guess. So back in 19, 1986, Stanley merged with Bostitch, which then merged with Black & Decker, which brought that entire line of Boss Stitch fasteners along for the ride. And another one, that I didn't know about. Now you guys might've, but I didn't. Uh, Stanley Black and Decker also bought out Irwin tools back in 2016. And they started out in the late 1800s as an American made company making ship's augers bits. And if you've seen those things, they're usually like 18 inches long, the big and around. I imagine you used to use them in a bit and brace, but that's how they started. And again, Stanley kept them going and you guys, you see Irwin absolutely everywhere. So it's kind of cool. <laughs> so for keeping score, this massive corporation now has DeWalt, Stanley, Black & Decker, Delta, Porter Cable, Rockwell, Boss Stitch, Irwin, Craftsman, Cub Cadet, Troy bilt Remington, and Yard Machine. And I thought, it's pretty cool. Stanley actually has its roots back to 1847, so... This definitely isn't a commercial. I may do this for some of the other bigger companies down the road, but you guys know I've always been interested in that, and I thought, maybe you guys don't know about all the different companies that have ended up coming underneath the Black & Decker brand. But Stanley goes back to 1847, an American-made company who has, for better or for worse, taken over a bunch of other really old American-made companies and kept their brand alive. So I thought that's kind of cool. I know this is a little different than what I do. This kind of reminded me when I did the Amish Tools video but I thought it was pretty cool information. I do a lot of talking about tools and I thought, hey, maybe you guys could use this information too. So I, I hope it helped. If I missed one, if I missed a company that you, that, cause there are, there's literally hundreds of companies Black & Decker has bought up, but these are the ones that jumped out at me that I recognize and I thought, hey, I'll share it with you guys. But if there's some I forgot, throw them in the comments below. Let me know what I forgot or maybe I got my dates wrong or something like that. Just let me know, correct me. I always like that. And that's where I get my ideas for other videos. And if you're new here, hit the subscribe button, stick around, become part of our community, introduce yourself. And as always guys, stay happy, stay healthy and have a great week. Hey guys, Toolman Tim here. Welcome back to the workshop where we build business, create community, find freedom and share success. It's Tuesday morning, which means it's time for another Toolbox Tuesday, where I show you accessories, hardware, small tools, whatever it happens to be, things that I use that have met my seal of approval. And this week is none the different. I've got for you some vinyl siding clips that are gonna allow you to anchor things to vinyl siding without destroying the nice new product you just attached. So hang in there, we'll be right back. guys, real quick before we dive into the review. If you want to know more about who I am, toolmantim.co. That's toolmantim.co. You can go over there, find my social media links, add me on a bunch of different platforms. I'd love to interact. Check out the monthly newsletter, the weekly podcast, and check out the shop section. Over there, I've got over 100 Amazon products that I recommend, things that I've used that have made me money in my business or saved me money. If you're looking for a recommendation on a ton of different product categories, we've got hand tools, painting accessories, we've got cordless tools, landscaping tools, preparedness items, household stuff, a ton of different things. So run over there, check that out if you're looking for a recommendation to a problem. All right, guys. So first off, I try not to do reviews when I don't have the product, but I've already uh, attached all of these because I like them so much to the outside of my vinyl siding. I ordered a bunch more from amazon and they didn't show up in time to film the review so i still have the backer card which i can show you but you're going to see a bunch of footage of up close stuff of these clips in action I, I did one of unboxing these lowly little stainless steel clips and you'll see me hanging some security cameras back on my siding and like i said if you guys follow me on social media you know my big project this summer has been residing my entire house and garage by myself. Now, I'm almost done, and it was time to rehang some of my security cameras, and the last thing I wanted to do was to go and introduce a whole bunch of new holes to my vinyl siding after I put it all up, and I was so careful doing a good job. So, again, I had a problem. I went looking for a solution. I typed into Amazon (laughs) security camera vinyl siding clips and come up with a bunch of different ones, read a bunch of different reviews, and these guys ended up being it seemed like a pretty good deal. So these guys come with, I bought a six pack thinking that I only needed one per security camera because some of the security cameras have a single bolt on the back. Mine have four screw holes, so you need two per camera. So I ended up only having enough to put up three. Now that was enough for me in the, in the time being because that's the only ones I had to reattach to the house, but they're stainless steel. They come with a nice clip and a nice bolt to go in and tighten the, the camera head back into the clip. They fit in really quick, really easy, really sturdy, and you can take them out just as fast as you put them up there. Sometimes you might not realize you're looking for a solution to a problem until you find that solution. And sometimes you don't know you need a solution until you find the problem. And this is one of those instances. So I started digging, I found them. I'll show you guys how easy and how quick they are to install. It's just simply slide it in on about a 45, drop it down, and you are set. Now, what I did find was if you're really close to the end of the siding, They don't hold quite as well as if you're in the middle of the siding or maybe a foot back from the edges so i i tended to keep my cameras back about a foot and then tuck all the wires in behind the corner posts and it did a really really good job so these guys once again i always go to the amazon reviews to see what other people think about products before i buy them and then sometimes i see some of the highlights i'm like i'll share them with you guys but they got a 4.6 star review out of over 1800 reviews now they're dirt cheap to begin with I bought a six pack. I should have bought the 18 pack. If you buy them the 18 pack, they end up being about 70 cents a clip and they're they're stainless steel. They should last forever. They feel really durable and they seem like they're machined really well. So if you think, ah, oh, I only need two or three of those, Tim, buy yourself the bigger pack. Cause I thought I only needed six. I ended up needing probably about 12 or so. So I ended up, I bought of course, dumb me ended up buying the 12 pack this time and then found the 18 after I ordered the 12, but I'll have links to all this in the description below, but it's so simple. It's literally one, two, three, four, put it in, slide it up, drop it down, tighten your product and you're done. I'll show you the back right there. So that's all there is to it. I know this is a little shorter review, but this was one of those products that I just found that I absolutely had to share with you guys. It's so dead simple. It doesn't look like it should work. And honestly, I I don't know what the, I wonder if they have a weight rating on these guys because now they don't say, but they feel like you could hang. I don't want to say a tank because if I really, really pull, like, I mean, really hard, I can pull them out, but I'm sure you could hang 15 pounds off those without having any trouble whatsoever. And what, what more do you need to hang on the outside of a house? That's going to weigh more than that, that you don't feel like you need to actually screw it into something. So guys, these worked for me. I've got all my security cameras that I've put back up on there now. I got a few more coming in, but you'll you'll get to see as they go. Test these guys out. You will not be disappointed. Just one of them small little accessories that are great to have to throw into your junk drawer and just use whenever you want to hang something. These would work great for hanging seasonal wreaths and things like that as well, as long as you had the right hookup with it. But yeah, I just had to share them with you. Anyway, guys, that's it for me this week. If you're new here and you want to see five videos a week, hit that subscribe button. I got tool videos, preparedness videos, all kinds of cool stuff coming out five days a week for you. And if you're new, introduce yourself in the comments below. We all love to get to know new people in our community. And if you've got other little knickknacks, accessories, hardware, hanging gear, whatever that you want me to review or you'd love to tell me about, just share it with me put it in the comments below and let me know. And guys, you know, I always love it that when you drop by and hang out with me in the workshop, because I know you can spend your time anywhere you want. So guys, as always stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week. Hey guys, Toolman Tim here. Welcome back to the workshop where we build business, create community, find freedom, and share success. It's Wednesday morning, which means it's time for another Tool Time Gear Review. And as always, I've got a good one for you this week. If you guys follow me on social media, you know that I go through safety sunglasses faster than some people go through changes of underwear. And when I had one recommended to me by community member who said, hey, Tim, you need to try these. They're cheap and damn near bulletproof. I thought it was time to review the Crossfire Safety Sunglasses. (laughs) Guys, real quick before we dive into this week's review, if you want to know more about who I am, run by ToolmanTim.co. That's ToolmanTim.co. Find my social media links there. Add me across all the different platforms. Find the monthly newsletter the weekly podcast and most importantly check out the shop you can find it also at toolmantim.shop and in there i've got over a hundred recommendations for amazon products of stuff i've used in my business that's made me money or saved me money all kinds of different categories like household painting supplies hand tools cordless gear and preparedness items. So if you want to find a solution to a problem you might have, check over there. You might just find something you like. This week, like I said, I go through safety sunglasses like some people go through changes of underwear. I kind of keep, I've actually done pretty good this summer. I think I've only gone through about three pair. Last summer was a lot more than that, but I've been really careful and really intentional about where I put them, what I do with them, and the whole jazz like that. But again, I'd always put on there, look, broke another pair of sunglasses. So one day, and I can't find the comment, no matter how hard I try, I'm not sure what platform it was on, but one of our community members said, Tim, and if it was you, let me know guys in the comments and I will shout you out because I hate to not give credit where it's due, but this old man brain, I don't always write it down and keep track. So they said, you need to try the Crossfire brand safety sunglasses. They're durable and they're cheap and they're all over Amazon. I thought, huh, well, and I think actually in the States, they, they, they're pretty sure they're available in a lot of different places. I don't want to say for sure, but I thought somebody said Harbor Freight. Some One of my American viewers, please correct me if I'm wrong. I really wish that I had a Harbor Freight up here so I could tell you that kind of stuff. So I went on and of course, once again, the disappointment of living in Canada is that Amazon.ca, Amazon Canada, has about 10% of the products that Amazon.com has. So I didn't have as many crossfire safety sunglasses to choose from, but ended up settling on this pair here I need beyond the fact that I break sunglasses all the time. I also have a big friggin' melon of a head. So when I have, there's a few things I need to look for when I'm looking for a pair of safety sunglasses. Number one, I need the straight arms because typically if they're the long arms, they don't fit over my big Dumbo ears. And they end up rubbing and giving me a uh, a rash or a chafe up there so i need the nice straight arms they need to be good and wide to fit over this great big melon of a head and they need to have pretty good size lenses on them but again they need to cover most of my face and normally when i go to the gas station or whatever it's like i'll be 20 minutes trying on sunglasses to try to find a pair that fit this head and i thought well this is going to be fun it's like trying to buy pants or jeans or shoes on the internet It's just difficult because you never really know how something's going to fit you until they show up. But I did my best. I looked for a pair that I thought was close to the design I would normally wear. And when they showed up, I got to say, I don't want to, I wasn't super impressed when I first seen them. I thought, well, these things, look at the arms on them. They're really thin. I thought, well, I'm going to break these. Well, you know what's nice about these? These are made out of almost like a I don't want to say a rubberized plastic, but they're pretty damn close. They feel like some of the kids toys that you have that are made to bend instead of break. So there's a lot of flexibility in there. They're not too rigid. So when I put them on, they don't press on my temples like a lot of the other ones do, which, you know, after a while gives you a headache and that sort of thing. They fit well right out of the box or out of the bag or out of the Amazon package, whatever you want to call it. Now, of course you guys are going to need to try yours on and find what you need, but I got really, really lucky with that. So I was like, well, that's one down. Now the next thing is how they're going to perform as a pair of sunglasses because I'm out in the sun all day. And how long are they going to last? Well, spoiler alert, it was almost two months ago that I got these in and I'm still holding an intact pair of crossfire safety sunglasses. And of course I should have ordered two pair at the time, thinking, well, so that you know, two is one, one is none, three is a guarantee, that sort of thing. But I really didn't want to until I knew whether I'd like them or not. Now the next thing that I've really liked, and it's gonna be hard to appreciate in the picture, but I scratch the hell out of the lenses in my sunglasses. And these guys are great. That's another, I I don't know what's wrong. I got so many weird issues when it comes to eyewear, but I cannot stand having scratches on my sunglasses. Because when you move, they're always there and they just drive me crazy. So after a while, I just gotta get rid of them. And the worst is when you get a comfortable pair of sunglasses that haven't broke yet, and they're all scraped up. You want to keep them, but I just, I can't use them. I can't work through them. It's like, it's like trying to work through somebody holding wax paper over your face or something. You just, it just doesn't do it. So for me, they've held up really, really well. They're flexible. They haven't broke. The lenses haven't scraped yet. They're comfortable. They're lightweight. They're cheap. They're only about $8.50 a pair US. Now in Canada, for some damn reason, you pay almost $20 a pair, but you know what? I pay more than that for the cheap gas station sunglasses I buy. So I'm totally totally fine with that. So if you take a look, walk through all the different Amazon reviews, there there are dozens upon dozens of different variations of the Crossfire Sun Safety Sunglasses. These ones I picked out have a 4.5 star review at 80 reviews, but across the board, they all run about four and a half stars. They're just golden. They work, they've held up really well, and I've been happy with them so far. One other thing I didn't mention is how absolutely lightweight they are. I think that's one of my favorite aspects of these guys. You put them on, you barely feel they're even there. Uh, And especially, you know, the old man thing, you put them up here and then you look around for your sunglasses. Well, I'm horrible with these because they're so light that I forget they're up there. 10 grams for my metric friends, which is under half an ounce for a pair of safety sunglasses that are durable. They hold up really well. So what's the downside to these the only thing that i found and this is probably more of a design issue um, maybe if i'd have got something with a little deeper lens but what i have had happen on occasion these lenses could stand to be maybe another quarter inch longer because when i'm weed whipping looking down like this they still don't quite cover all my eye and what i've had happen only on a couple occasions is dirt or grass will come up and hit me in the cheek and then work its way up in there now it never goes full force into your eye but where some sunglasses keep the stuff out, this on occasion just pop up under there. Now, if I'd have got something with a little deeper, wider lens, wouldn't have been an issue. That's my only complaint, but the fact that these are still intact, scratch-free, and I've managed to hold on to them for two months should tell you something. These guys have met the Tim, the, the toolman Tim seal of approval. I absolutely love them. I'm going to buy a bunch more pair because once I find safety gear that I like, I buy it on mass in bulk because what happens is I find the gloves that I love for cleaning gutters and I have a whole pack of them. I run out, I go to the store, they don't have them. So then I got to try something else. Same with glasses. You can never find the same pair at the same gas station two months later. It absolutely never happens. So now that I have a pair that I know I can count on these nice Brown camo crossfire safety sunglasses, I'm ordering a bunch. I'm going to have them on hand. And if you're looking for a recommendation, these guys have worked really well for me so far. All right, guys, that's it for me this week. If you're new and you want to stick around, five videos a week, hit the subscribe button, introduce yourself in the comments below, let the community know who you are. If you guys have other brands of safety sunglasses you'd like me to try out, throw them in the comments below because I'm always looking for good recommendations my best video ideas come from you guys and you guys know i always appreciate you coming in and hanging out with me in the workshop because i know there's so many things you could spend your time on and you're willing to hang out with me here so i really appreciate it and as always guys stay happy stay healthy and have a great week hey guys toolman tim here welcome back to the workshop where we build business create community find freedom and share success It's saturday morning which means it's time for another weekend workshop and as always i've got a good one for you this week you guys know i'm a big fan of trying to keep all of your tools on the same battery platform all of my rechargeables on doubles or triple a's in the house but the problem is is lately i've had to pick up some new gadgets that run on 9 volt batteries something i didn't want to have to deal with So I threw it out on social media. I was looking for some recommendations on rechargeable nine volt batteries and ended up settling on this EBL four port nine volt battery recharger. So hang in there and I'll tell you all about it. Guys, real quick, before we dive in, if you want to know more about who I am, toolmantim.co. That's toolmantim.co. You can run by there, find all my social media links, add me across a bunch of different platforms, interact with me, send me messages. You can find the monthly newsletter, the weekly podcast, and the most important section is the shop. So if you're looking for a recommendation on a product, you got a problem you're looking for a solution to, I've got over a 100 links to Amazon products over there that will... Send you in the right direction, stuff that's made me money or saved me money in my handyman business. Ton of different categories. We got hand tools, painting tools, cordless tools, landscaping gear, household items, and preparedness stuff. So run in there, check that out if you're looking for a solution to a problem. Like I said, I have been a big proponent of simplifying your battery storage platforms and program. And I've done an entire video on my rechargeable battery. I've done a couple, and I'm probably going to do a few more because, you know me, I like power storage. And I've been a big fan of keeping everything to my Eneloop AA and AAA batteries. And of course, when I started picking up some extra gear, some things that I needed to do some testing for my um, YouTube videos, the big one was a decibel meter, but I picked up a couple of different stud finders I needed to test. And then, of course, we had, at the same time I was dealing with that, we had our hardwired battery backup, smoke detectors died. So it was like, ah, oh, I had this whole issue of needing nine volt batteries, even though I didn't want to. loop didn't make them. So I threw it out on social. I said, what do you guys recommend for rechargeable nine volt batteries? And there was a few different brands. Some people said the Amazon basics, but the one I heard the most ended up being the EBL brand and uh chicken Hawk farmstead. If you follow his channel, He messaged me a little while ago and said he uses a lot of the EBL rechargeables, and he really likes them. So if he likes them, they're definitely worth looking at. So I picked these guys up. We'll show you what comes in the box. It's pretty simple, literally. So you've got your four-port charger right there, which basically just, yeah, fits your four 9-volt batteries. You get this handy-dandy carrying case for your four 9-volt batteries right there. Nothing too serious at all. We'll open that up show you what one of these guys looks like. They're light as a friggin' feather. There's almost nothing to them. They say 600 uh, milliamp hours, 9 volt, lithium-ion rechargeable battery. Yeah, they feel like there's nothing to them. And then, one of the big complaints a lot of people had on the internet, I didn't mind, but whatever, comes with a USB charging cable for plugging it in. And then, your typical useless paperwork that comes inside the box that... I do recommend reading sometimes, but a lot of times these little ones don't have a whole lot of information on them. So that's all there is to it. They fit in just like this. They snap in. So they hold really well. Yeah, I I like the idea. I like what I've used so far. I like the way they've worked so far. I haven't been able to kill them in any items because the problem is, is that most of my nine volt battery gear is stuff that I only use intermittently. Uh, They've held up well in my smoke detectors so far, even though there's been a few people online who say that they didn't last very long in there. However, they're absolutely recommended from the company for that. So I will report back if I have any issues down the road with you guys, but so far, so good. So these guys, the EBLs, they've got a 4.6 star review out of 2,200 reviews on Amazon. I like that. So this charger is 400 milliamps, which I like. And in the description from the company, it's a little bit shady. Maybe I don't know. They they do tell you that it splits the power down, but to me, it kind of read like I thought each port was 400. Now, number one, you're probably not going to need to charge four nine volt batteries. At least I'm not. Maybe you have a use. Maybe if you're using like a, a poison gas detectors in the oil patch, you'll need to charge a bunch of these all at once. But for me, I'm only ever going to need to charge one. So 600 milliamp battery. 400 milliamp charger is going to take an hour and a half to charge now if you have a 600 milliamp battery that you put four of them in here you're only going to get 100 milliamps uh, charge per hour so it's going to take you six hours to charge four batteries so just keep that in mind that if it's a charging thing you need to do you're going to need to deal with it overnight not a big deal now another big complaint that people online had and to me it doesn't seem to be that big of a deal but They're supposed to be nine volt batteries. These only charge up to about 8.2 volts. And it's in all the literature, it says that is where it tops out for these rechargeables. These lithium ion rechargeables tend to work at a lower voltage than a lot of the alkaline ones that you pick up off the shelf. So people were concerned that that lower voltage wouldn't hold up in high drain devices. According to the manufacturer, it seems to. I haven't had any problems, but I am not a power user of nine volt batteries. So if you're looking for, you know, something that's, you know, high voltage right up there at nine volts or a little bit better, maybe you want to buy some of the off the shelf, uh, long life Duracell or Energizer ones. But if you're looking for, you know, an everyday workhorse, nine volt battery, this guy is going to do that. They say they're good for 1200 recharges. There's no way I'm ever going to use these for 1200 recharges. If I use them for 12 recharges, it's probably all I'll ever use them for. The batteries have no memory. So if you've got something that you need to use tomorrow, and it's only got a half charge in it, pull it out, charge it up, get it full, and then go use it. To me, I really like that. You just, you're not ruining the uh, lifespan or the overall capacity of these batteries by simply pulling them out and charging them whenever you feel like you need to charge them. They claim that the batteries will maintain 75% charge over three years. So, you know, if you need to store nine volt batteries longer than three years, you probably should buy the long life lithium ion non-rechargeables off the shelf but if you're looking at, I mean, these are the type of thing that you're going to charge and then use. You're not going to be, you know, just sitting them out and charging them. And if you are, pull them out every two years and recharge them. But at 75% charge over three years, I'm okay with that. Now, the biggest, the other issue that some people had through reading through all the Amazon comments, and mine hasn't been an issue yet, has been the quality control. Now, EBL tends to have really good customer service. So if you have a problem with any of their products, contact them, they'll send you out a replacement. But a lot of people had problems with the quality control in these tiny little chargers. They said they either didn't work or they worked for a day and they broke down. Seemed to be the biggest complaint. Everybody liked the batteries, but the charger seemed to be the issue. I've been okay with mine so far, but if you do end up having an issue, they say, call the company. They're super good about replacing it. So does it meet my approval? Yes, because there's not a lot of other products on the market. There's a few, there's a few even that have just straight plug-in USBs now that you can recharge the nine volts right directly without needing a charger. But for what I need this for, which is basically a decibel meter, some stud finders, and my interconnected smoke detectors in the house, this is all I needed. I didn't need to spend or yeah, spend an arm and a leg or give away an arm and a leg to buy, you know, a hundred dollar gear with these nine volt rechargeables. This guy will meet what I need. And if you're looking for just an everyday user-friendly, not super difficult to use and not super expensive nine volt rechargeable system, the EBL system might just work for you. So I hope that helps for you guys this week. This one's a little shorter than my normal weekend workshop, but where it was rechargeable batteries, I thought it kind of fit into the theme of the weekend for you. Uh, You know me, I'm a huge fan of stored energy, rechargeable batteries, that whole works. So I I hope this maybe pointed you in the right direction. Now, I'm sure there's some of you out there that are saying, Tim, oh no, there's this brand or that brand or this platform or that platform that's way better. You should have used those. And maybe you're right. I ended up settling on the EBL based on community recommendations, based on my own reading, and I like it. I've been happy with it. But if there's other ones that you say, Tim, you really, really need to try this out. I'm not totally adverse to doing that. I wouldn't mind trying another brand out just to see which one holds up better in the long term. We'll do a year later follow-up and see how well these guys, they're just so light. It's hard to believe. It almost sounds like there's a couple of AAAs in there. I don't know. Anyway, but... They work. They've worked for me so far. I wanted to share with you this product I found and I've tested, at least to a certain extent. And like I said, if you have other recommendations, throw them down there. At least I can do is share them with everybody else in the community. And if you're new here, guys, and you want to hang around, hit the subscribe button. Five videos a week, all about tools, preparedness, building business, the whole work. So check it out. And guys, I always appreciate it because I know you've got time you can spend anywhere else and you choose to hang out with me in the shop. So thanks a lot, guys. And as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week. Hey guys, Toolman Tim here. Welcome back to the workshop where we build business, create community, find freedom, and share success. It's Sunday night, which means it's time for another Talking Tools live stream. You guys know I always enjoy when you drop by. I love it when you come and hang out with me here in the workshop. And this week, I thought it would be interesting or fun to talk about emergency communications during power outages, disasters, that sort of thing. So let me tell you a little bit. We, a couple of, maybe 10 days, 14 days ago, I got a, an alert through our emergency broadcast system here. uh, We either get it through text or we get it through um, the weather network app. And it basically said, Uh, Be aware, there's a really good chance that we could end up losing cell service, cell coverage in kind of Western Alberta and all of British Columbia. And that got me thinking, I don't really know, uh, you know, as, as far as I attempt to get into emergency preparedness, I'm not really that well backed up and versed in emergency communications. So I thought, you know what? It's time I take a look, a hard look at some of our backup emergency communications, and I figured why not share with you guys my little journey of discovery, information, the whole works. But before we dive in, I just want to shout out to um, a few other people. Uh, If you guys don't know, first off, if you're listening to this on the podcast, I appreciate you guys very, very much. Thanks. I thought it would be nice to actually let you guys know, the ones who are out there listening just in the audio. That's awesome. Uh, we also simulcast this on float and Odyssey. So anybody who's over there, I'm trying to develop a system to watch the comments over there and interact with you guys. Haven't quite got it all of the wrinkles ironed out yet. But as we do, um, you guys will become more and more of part of the platform. So I appreciate you guys watching over there as well. All right. So I got thinking you know, when, when we're dealing with emergency preparedness, disasters, power outages, the whole works, I kind of broke it down and I thought, you know what, there's really four levels of loss of communication. And the first one I had was the power is on, but cell service isn't working. And that's the situation that we would have been dealing with um, if it had to hit us in our area. Now it never even hit us, but it was enough to make me really think about it. So, you know, number one, if you're at home, it's pretty manageable. If you got a Wi-Fi signal, and you, we'll we'll deal with some of this down down the road a little bit further on tonight. But if you have a Wi-Fi signal, you can make communications. You can call your family. You can you can send text messages, IMs, the whole work. So that's great. But if you're away from home and the cell service goes down, oh hey Klondike, how are you tonight? <laughs> nice to see you. So yeah, if you're away from home, that's where it becomes a bit more of an issue. So, number one, you know, if you're traveling a normal area, a normal routine, a normal route, try to know where you can pick up Wi Fi signals. So, if you absolutely have no cell service, but you know where you can pick up a Wi Fi signal, jump onto there, make a quick contact with the family, say, hey, uh, everything's okay. Or, hey, do you know what's going on? Why is the power out? Is it time to, you know, start an emergency plan? What do we do? And then, this might be a little bit weirder or different, but (laughs) one of those relics that our kids don't even know uh, what they are, but keep an eye out for payphones. I got thinking when I was putting this all together, you know, keep a couple quarters or whatever, they they probably cost $2 now, who knows? But anyway, if there are payphones in your area, that's always a way to check in with the family. If you have completely lost your, your cell service, you could be anywhere. And I know payphones, they're, they're pretty rare. Now I took a quick search online earlier tonight and there is online payphone directories for some of the bigger cities. There was nothing listed in my town. And the only one I could think of that used to be here was in one of our gas stations, which means it's only accessible while they're open. And I don't even know if that's still there, but if you're on the road, you lose communications. Those are a couple of things you can kind of think about. So then another level, Hey Ted, nice to see you. And so level number two of loss of communication, something I was thinking about is the power's out. But your cell and your Wi-Fi is working, so that's pretty straightforward. If you got dad on your phone, use it. Hey Joseph, nice to see you, buddy. <laughs> we got a good crew in here already. Had a couple people show up early. So if the power's out and your cell and Wi-Fi is working, you're golden. Hey, don't worry about Wi-Fi. The kids might not be able to play Fortnite, but they'll be all right. But you've always got uh, you know, if, if you need to know, hey, I wonder, did lightning strike? Did somebody hit a telephone pole? Why exactly are we dealing with this? Or, hey, is there a tornado coming? uh, High winds? What do we need to know? But we still have our cell, so we're good. So we can gloss over that one. So then there's the power's out and the Wi-Fi is not working. On the phone arguing with a renter. Oh no, made me (laughs) late. I actually had a call at a... Six o'clock tonight, so about two hours. I was doing a little bit of prep and they showed me a picture of water all over the floor in the rental. So I had to go over and check what's going on with the washing machine. So I get you. It's not quite as bad as the situation you're in, but I get it. So yeah, again, power's out. You get your cell service, but the Wi-Fi isn't working. Again, as long as you keep some data on your phone or you know where there's some Wi-Fi hotspots, that not a real huge deal. It's not a deal breaker. You've always got a way to uh, get in communication with your family. So, but the one that I was really thinking about, of course, was so the power's out and we've got no Wi Fi or cell service. So, last winter when we lost our power, uh, you know, one of the big things was the cell service was completely, I wouldn't say overrun, but everybody jumped on to the data because nobody thought they had any Wi Fi. So I'm like, wow, you know what? We're going to hook up the generator. I hooked up the Wi-Fi router, and it turned out that our local uh, TELUS operation has backup power, and I had some of the best Wi-Fi connection you're ever going to find, simply because no one else thought to plug in their Wi-Fi router when the power was out. So sometimes just thinking a little bit outside the box can help us, you know, and, and a lot of times this stuff, like, it's all about it being simple and easy. And it's not about the end of the world as we know it. It's just simply about having a little bit of peace of mind about knowing what's going on when there is a power outage, natural disaster, just anything like that. So like I said, I guess the fourth and the biggest level, and this is the one that is the least likely to happen, but it's also the one that you might have to prepare for just a little bit more. And that's when we have no power, we have no Wi-Fi, and we have no cell service. And this was something I got thinking about because, you know, and I I know this will date us all here, but landlines always used to be a big thing. And I used to, you know, when we, we lived out in Nova Scotia uh, about a decade ago, you had a hardwired landline, you were golden. I mean, two doors down, the lady there still had a damn rotary phone. (laughs) But literally, you you know, it was, I used to watch those hacks online where you could tap into the low voltage power. I bet you could run a Wi-Fi rotor off. I know you could, Ted. And actually, so <laughs> I'm gonna go on a little tangent here. Um, I had planned on doing a little short video. DeWalt has a new USB uh battery topper coming out. It's not going to be as good as a Milwaukee top off, however, it's gonna have USB-C and a hundred-watt charging capabilities coming with it. And I think you could also run a Wi-Fi rotor off that, but you absolutely could. That's all you'd need. It absolutely would work. But yeah, so uh, landline. The, the big thing is like, they were great. And you always knew, Hey, if the power goes out, I can always call the power board and say, Hey, what's going on? Cause I have a landline and I know the issue, you know, they'll say, well, your power will be restored in one to three decades. You know, they always give you those kind of generic responses to let you know. But the problem is, and I remember hearing about this, you guys remember when hurricane Sandy came through, I think that might've been like 2012, 2013, and it was the first I'd heard in the New York, New Jersey area. When they went in and got washed out, everybody was like, hey, we're going to use our landlines to contact for help. And it turned out they, they were SOL. They had no luck because their landlines weren't really landlines anymore. And I'm sure you guys have heard about this, but a lot of it was run off fiber optics and off internet. And as soon as the data and internet went down, they had very little or to no communications. Couldn't call 911, the whole works. And of course, some of the cell towers got washed out and people were, you know, they were nervous and scared. So if it's worth it, a feller can always look into getting an actual hardwired landline in their area. However, I think that is going the way of the dodo bird. It's getting harder and harder to find. In our area, all phone services run uh, basically through the I guess you'd call it the cable company at this point, or the the data company, everything's run through the data lines and there is no such thing as a hardwired phone. I think some people may still be grandfathered in, but I don't think there's any available, uh, any, any way to get one hooked up if you're new at all. So, so you guys know simplest solution is the best. It's always something that I preach. Um, And whatever the solution you're looking for, whether you need, because communication could be two-way communication or it could be one-way communication. We could be, hey, I just need to know what the hell's going on and what the hell I need to do. I don't need to talk to anybody. I just need to hear the information and know where to go. Or it could be, hey, I need to talk to my kid to let them know that there's a wildfire coming this way or that we need to bug out and we need to go that way. So we need two-way communication. So I thought I'd go through and make a list of the simplest and cheapest to the most complicated backup communications we can have. And some of them are so dead simple that you might think, well, Tim, why did you even bother listing that? You're like, really, did you have to talk about that? But, (laughs) but for me, it's always been the same whenever it's a, a bad blizzard or a bad power outage. It's always, you know, I'd really just like to know what's going on, or it would be nice to know what we need to do. Or, um, you know, in a worst case scenario, I've got a a small cadre of family in the area. And all of my adult kids live within a five minute, maybe a 15 minute walk, a two minute drive. They're all close, but my in-laws who were really close with as well, they live about 10 miles out of town. So communicating with them can be a bit of an issue, especially, um, the year before we moved out here, there was a huge blizzard and completely blocked off all the highway, like to the point where they had to get a cat, uh, like a D9 cat or something to clear the highways doesn't happen here very often but if the phone lines or the power had have been down that would have been a situation where we would have had to you know initialize some sort of backup plan so this was kind of the, the the thought process that i had when i was going through it but so when we had the power outage last march when we had the big blizzard come through and i got to finally use my tri fuel generator to me, the the most simplest and easiest way to get information was social media. And you guys know how we all feel about Facebook, but in my area where we don't have a next door app or anything like that, Facebook was still the best area to run to find out what's going on, what the hell's going on, how long the power is going to be out, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And you know, it, It'd be nice if we had some other way to do it, but literally what I like about that, that kind of method is the fact that it's something you use all the time. So like I said, if the power's out and you've got a little bit of backup power, love the Wi-Fi rotor tip, definitely a da moment for those. Hey Nimrod, <laughs> it's true, right? Oh, and there's my daughter, Charlotte. Uh, hey, Charlotte, love you, babe. <laughs> but yes, it, I, I never even thought like it was just so dead simple. I had, you know, we hooked it up and we we're like, well, you know what? the, uh, the data seems really, really slow. So let's just try it. And I figured there's no way that my local, um, uh, telus place had backup power and they ended up, it was awesome. So <laughs> I didn't tell anybody else, but you know, Hey John, man, we've got a good crew in here tonight, guys. It's nice to see y'all. So, <laughs> so anyway, like, you know, like I said, the simplest, easiest, cheapest way two way communication in an emergency is Facebook or social media. And that is a double-edged sword because I want to tell you another little story just recently. And you guys, any of you who are from small towns, you probably know how fast rumors travel. And there was a story of an active shooter, at least. So the story went that there was an active shooter in our town and that everybody needed to lock down. Now, if that were an actual situation, that was a very effective, very quick way for everybody in town to know about it. It turned out that the truth was that it was in a town an hour away and it wasn't necessarily an active shooter. It was someone who maybe made some threats. Now the story got blown up, blown out of proportion, but that, that shows two things. Number one, it shows, of course, sometimes things can get blown out of proportion, but it also shows that that local online community is the fastest way to get information, hopefully reliable information, but information nonetheless. So to me, if you can make sure you have some sort of backup power to either have your Wi-Fi running, uh, in, in that instance, or, you know, you, if you have data, social media is going to be the place. You know, we, we had pictures, uh, people posting pictures of roofs getting torn off and, you know, it, it, let you know of some of the, uh, areas to, well, I mean, you shouldn't be out around at all, but I had to go out and clear snow for people. And it, it, it brought me abreast of some of the places that I shouldn't go power lines down here, that kind of stuff. So number one, Facebook, social media, the simplest, cheapest. And of course, all of these methods are things that we need to, um, be comfortable with. And of course, social media is something most of us are already completely comfortable with. So that's the first one. Number two, and this is kind of the, the one way, uh, communication. And that is local radio and, you know, good old terrestrial radio. Uh, It's not something I listen to on uh, much of an occasion, but in my town, as long as you're on the outside fringes, you can get about three radio stations. Now, whether or not they're going to be on the air when the power's out, that is yet to be determined, but I'm sure within a couple hours, they'd figure something out. Uh, So again, it's going to tell you, Hey, there's a reason why this power is out and here is what we know, or here's the reason why your natural gas is out. This is what we know. This is what we've been told, you know, hang in there for more details. Now, if it's a very widespread disaster in your area, a good tip I heard years ago was of course, satellite radio, because you can be sitting right in the eye of the storm and you can be picking up and I love my satellite radio. I mean, I listen to it for baseball. I listen to it for music, of course, but it's one of those things that can tell you, you can get on there and pick up a weather channel from way outside of your normal area. Yep. I'll mention a crank up radio. See the old crank radio, not, not, I'm not calling you an old crank Ted, just the radio itself, you know, but <laughs> they are good. I, I've got one of those as well. Plus a radio that takes lots of batteries and, and it works. And I hate to say that I just don't really love local radio anymore, but it is absolutely a way to get information when the power is down or we're dealing with a bad, nasty situation. And again, even take 10 minutes and write down the uh, local stations. If you don't know, of course, hard copy backup information, always a good thing to have on hand because if those guys aren't working, you might not be able to find All of the uh, information that you need. All right. So that was two. We had Facebook, social media, we got local radio. Now, the next one, and this is if cell service is down, Wi Fi calling. Because again, like I said, the big one for us is I really want to be able to get into contact with my family 10 to 15 miles out. And of course, in a really bad situation, you know, we just had the anniversary yesterday, and I remember making, uh, on nine 11, 20 years ago. Now I was in college and we used to have those lines of, um, landline phones out in the hallway free for us to use. And I was trying to call my parents to say, Hey, you know, how are you doing? What's going on? Because of course there were so many rumors at that time. And I was five hours away from home. And almost every time I called It give me line is engaged. Line is engaged. You know there was, there just wasn't enough lines back then, and and I'm sure there'd still be some issues at this point. But I just couldn't get through the bottleneck. I'd have to call a hundred times to make one connection. So there's that. But that being said, like I said, we're also dependent on our smartphones, our our uh, cell phones, that sort of thing. But Wi-Fi calling. So if if you have no data on your phone, or or something happened like that, but you can get a Wi-Fi uh, hotspot somewhere. There is a voice, a VoIP or voice over IP services that you can get plugged into your phone. And when I first got this uh, emergency notice, I posted it, and uh, a follower on MeWe brought up a service called VoIP.ms. Now, I did quite a bit of digging into it, and it's a pay as you go. Uh, app that you can install on your phone or a service that basically allows you to make calls from a regular phone number using internet. So of course, if your cell service is down, that's going to suck. But if you have Wi-Fi, you can still make phone calls to regular landlines from what would be considered a regular landline phone. So that's a good way to get information. However, to me, it seemed overly complicated, cumbersome, and it almost felt like trying to install Linux on a computer. There was, it was just a lot to it. I'm sure there's other services that have simplified that kind of thing. But to me, you know, it, it's there. I'm sure there's other ones you could pick up, but it was a little more complicated. And then, uh, the next one, of course, landline, we talked about that, um, power internet cell all down. If you can still get a hardwired landline, that is definitely for what it would cost to have one just sitting in your home that you never use, it would probably be worth it if a feller could even get one in your area anymore. But uh, the next one is one I really love. I don't know if any of you guys are on Zello, but it's an incredible kind of walkie talkie app. Uh, I'm on the uh, survival podcast group on there. And whenever I get a chance, I get in and talk. And it's really nice because, you know, again, If there's a disaster, but you can get some Wi-Fi or a little bit, you know, patchy service, you can get on there. You can leave, uh, you can even set it up so that it's like an online voicemail service. So you can leave a voicemail for somebody or or a voice message. And then when your family member happens to get somewhere where they have some service, then they can get in and they can read your message and say, okay, Tim's good. Olivia's good. The whole family's good. Now I'm going to leave my message and say, Hey, we're good too. Now there's so little training on Zello. It's basically, if you can install an app and log in. <laughs> it's basically just like the old fashioned walkie talkies. You just push to talk and then sit and listen. So the, the big thing would be just setting up everyone in your family with the Zello app or something else like Zello. Uh, there's a ton of other apps out there, but I just really like that one. And to me, that is just an incredible way, an incredibly simple way. And that to me, simpler, the better, you know, the old, keep it simple, stupid method, because again, in an emergency, we want to make sure that everyone knows what they're doing and you want to make it as stress-free and as simple as you possibly can. And this is the kind of thing, like we're not talking about an end of the world kind of scenario. We're just talking about, holy crap, something bad's happened. I have no cell service. I just like to check in with the family and this would be a way to do it. I love Zello. So then, something getting a little bit further out, and uh, Charlotte's in here. She knows we tested these out, but we picked up a three pack of handheld radios. You know, there's the GMRS, the FMR, or the FRS. Anyway, there's a few different ones, and I really hoped because you know they put on the package, oh, 50 mile range. Hey, tool. Hey, souls. How are you? And don't ever worry about being late. I'm always here talking. So, (laughs) but yeah. So the next one we picked up, or we've been testing are uh, handheld radios. And they're, to me, I thought they'd be really good. They had a 50 mile radius or range on them, but what ended up happening, even here on the prairies where things were flat, if we could get four or five miles out of them, that was all we were going to get. Now, that being said, they'd be an incredible way for my family because, you know, we have three adult kids who all live in a couple mile radius. We could all kind of set up and have a simple, um, GMRS or FRS. I hope I got those right. Love the old walkie. Yes, exactly. Right. And of course out here in the oil patch, a ton of guys use those. Um, they're not even CB radios, which we'll talk about next, but just those, the, basically the handheld radios and they, they work really good. And if you can get up on a high point, you can get pretty good range, but I was really hoping again, to be able to communicate with my in-laws who are 10 miles away and these ones wouldn't cut it. So we're going to, find out. I got to keep exploring because I really, really want an off-grid way that's simple (laughs) smoke signals work too. Yes. Although sometimes smoke means fire and trouble and all that, but yeah, I definitely want an an off-grid way that I can communicate with my family 10 miles out ish. And that's really my goal in this area, but those didn't cut it it's coming, you know, you need to have backup batteries and the whole works, but it's a really inexpensive way to keep, um, two, two things. Number one, local communication with the family in the area or on the road. So if you have to bug out and you're going as say a convoy, we all love convoys, right? Then you can end up, uh, you know, talking back and forth a couple of miles on the highway. So those are good. So then the next one, and this one came up from, uh, I think I may have mentioned it or alluded to it last week, but this one might sound a little bit weird, but satellite phones, uh, you know, the old low earth orbit satellites. So number one, we're getting off into some of the more esoteric, expensive, crazy kind of things. But, uh, that being said, the next iPhone 13 is being rumored to have uh, low earth orbit satellite phone technology. And if that is the case, how stinking incredible will that be? I mean, even if it costs you $20 to make a phone call, that $20 is absolutely worth the peace of mind. Now, right now to go out and buy a uh, satellite phone and put minutes on it and all that is prohibitively expensive. And to me, it's probably not worth it at all. Uh, but if they have it built in to the next iPhone, and probably if that's the case, they'll be built into the Androids as well. Um, to me, I think that is absolutely an incredible way that we can harness technology. And hopefully it's, you know, safe and whatever to be able to communicate. And as long as you can keep power in your phone and you didn't drop your phone, you know, down a drain or submerge it in water and ruin it, you always have a way to communicate. I I love it. I think it'll be great. And then um, if you guys have been following, you know, uh, Elon Musk there and uh, Tesla, they have started uh, unveiling the Starlink internet. Uh, Satellite internet around here used to be good. Uh, It was really good for, uh, you know, sending and receiving information kind of slow, but the new Starlink internet uh, in our area has been put up for uh, some um, beta testing. So there's a lot of people in Alberta who are actually signed up and using it. So then again, there you are. You are absolutely, you've removed your communication platform from the, well, basically from the ground. So now all of a sudden you've taken it, you've brought it up, you've put it way up in the sky. So the only thing you need to take care of is yourself. So whatever that receiver is, make sure you have one and have backup power for it. So if you have that, Oh man. So let's see. And so souls, I'm going to bring this topic or your uh, comment up here on the screen. An old crystalline base CB would still work and gives you an effective range of almost 50 miles. So you must be reading my mind because my very next point is CB radios. (laughs) So that I think I I've actually picked up a couple of those whenever I do, they always seem to be those things that are left behind. Whenever we do bank repos, people leave and they always leave old radios and stuff behind, but I've picked up three or four CBs. Uh, it would be I guess the only thing uh, I would basically need is to train them on it a little bit, make sure we're on the same frequency, and then they would need a small antenna. I believe, um, if, if that's all, it would be that would be probably the simplest and easiest way for me to to do it. And you know, I CB radios were always fun. You remember the old uh, was it the convoy song, the country song where they always talked about it, but. Uh, they ran in my family too. So my grandfather, of course you guys know my last name is Cook. He had a CB uh, back in the day, back in the seventies, the heyday. And his handle of course was Cookie Monster. <laughs> and I always loved that. And my father-in-law, that's my wife's father, uh, God rest his soul. Uh, he he uh, was a butcher or he, he did a lot of things, but his handle was Meat Cutter. So, you know, on top of that, we always got to come up with some really funny handles, but yeah, that would be I think you're probably right. And I think maybe I'll have to test that because my brother-in-law could definitely keep the gear out in the garage. You'd need an antenna because it isn't digital and the police can no longer listen in. Oh, I like that too. And, um, so Olson, she seemed to know a bit about this. What do you know, basically what kind of, um, antenna, is it a big antenna, small antenna? Uh, I mean, I'm going to do some digging into this afterwards, but I love hearing this kind of stuff from other people, because I CB is one of the things I've never really touched on, but I know it seems pretty simple and easy to use, so it definitely be an area, I mean, yeah, if we can get 50 miles out of it, and as the crow flies, it is pretty flat, we just couldn't get it, um, of course, those handheld radios, I guess if you could, if they made them with uh, removable antennas so you could uh, extend the antenna, that would be an incredible way to be able to talk further, but I guess that has something to do with uh, all the different regulations and that sort of stuff. But, and then of course, you know, CB radio is great and I would love to uh, look into it. And then the absolute worst shit hits the fan. Nothing else works, of course, is our good old ham radio. And I do have my ham radio license. I worked really hard on that a few years ago. Uh, managed to get my basic, which is just basically, you know, two meter local repeaters and that kind of stuff. And then I haven't done much with it other than buy a bunch of gear that I haven't really used a whole lot. I've got a a local two meter one that I used to have an antenna at the old house. They work really well, but to me, man, if you're going to invest the time, the money into having a ham radio simply because you think you might need it one day, that's okay. But if it's a hobby and that's something you really want to do, great, go for it to me again you need you need to take the course the time you need to get a license you need an antenna you need a radio you need a backup power source and then you need all of that on the other end and you need to be able to connect together and be able to uh, chat with each other so I think ham radio might be really good for information gathering but not as good for communicating locally but anyway that's just my thoughts on that and i'm sure someone else will get after me for it so Uh, tools with souls here says, uh, depends on the range you need for what you're talking about. You won't need a big one. If you have a base station, you could run it off an old TV antenna and hit a really long range. And you know, what's cool is just about every house in this area has old TV antennas, So that might be a way to, to look at it. But yeah, I'm to me, that would absolutely be a way, um, yeah, I used to have a Cobra CB when I was younger, just to know where the speed traps were. Yeah. Now Google, Google maps does that for you or a four to five foot antenna can get you about 25 miles that right there. Souls. I think that'll be the way to go. I gotta, yeah, that'll be, see, this is what I love. You guys can help me plan as well, but honestly, like it, you know, it's nice to have mobile communications and that sort of thing, but I absolutely would love to be able to just, you know, reach out and chat with my family just to say, okay are we coming out to you or are you guys coming into us? Because that is the main thing is, okay, which way are we going? Because we're all going to be going as a family. Uh, You know, we all have kids. And, um, so yeah, that's the important part is being able to communicate, being able to work together and figure out what the plan is. And if data and cell phones and internet and power are all down, then, what's a father going to need a CB radio. And I, I don't know why I never even thought about it, but you know what? That's the route I'm going to take. So (laughs) see, I'm glad you relate uh, souls that that's a huge help for me. So thank you. (laughs) Four or five. Yeah. We'll put that one up there too. Um, so yeah, to me, that's the biggest thing is getting buy-in from the rest of your family, training everybody, and uh you know making sure everybody knows what the plan is and that's putting things on paper making hard copies of things uh you know making a hard copy of all of your contact numbers things to the you know the power company the gas company um all of that like that's hugely important but i i had a few other bullet points here of things again that just important and number one is whatever your backup plan for communication is you can have all the gear in the world. And if you don't know how to use it, you might as well not even have it. Um, they, the guy asked me, I got interviewed on the, uh, Atlantis Gazette on, uh, uh, Instagram live yesterday. And somebody asked, what is the most often overlooked prep? And I said, I think it's probably fuel because people spend a lot of time and a lot of money buying all the gear, but they rarely have, or they rarely keep a lot of fuel on hand, which is, and in this instance, fuel would be, knowing how to use the damn stuff <laughs> so you know you can go out and you can buy the best ham radio you can go out and buy the absolute uh, best CB the best handheld radios but if if you know how to use them but Charlotte and Alice and my wife and my other kids don't know how to use this stuff I might as well not have spent the money and as a matter of fact I'm worse off because I spent the money simply because I didn't take the time to make sure everybody in the family, everybody in your circle of influence knew what the plan was and how to use the gear. Now, number two, have the proper gear because, you know, again, you might have a ham radio that can skip off the atmosphere and you can talk to somebody in Timbuktu, but what the hell good is that if all you need to know is how long is the power going to be out? So, you know, I love it. It's great, but start simple and then you can always work on prepping for the the craziest, I hate to use the word crazy, but the most outside the box situations. Always prepare for the things that are the most common, uh, that are most likely to impact you. And then again, know the plan, work the plan, have it on paper, a hard copy of absolutely everything is important. Um, you know, have, I I don't want to get too much into bugging out and that sort of thing, because this was more of a, just getting information, but you know, have four or five places that you know where you can go, you know, where you can meet because in-person communication would be great. And, Oh, let's see. I, you know what? Oh, Ted, I did. I was going to share that. So (laughs) let me pin that for one second. And then I will talk about that because it was incredible. I I love silver uh, symbol. He's incredible, but just, you know, have a hard copy of the phone numbers. And one thing I wanted to mention real quick was, loss of communication can be something as simple as dropping your damn cell phone down a sewer grate. And all of a sudden, if you happen to be in say a a crazy city, a strange city, or in an area and you don't have your lifeline, your phone that you live by, you you know, die by, you've got all your communications, your texts in there, you need to figure out a way that I'm going to be able to talk back to my family and let them know that I wasn't, you know, drug out in the street, run over robbed and left for dead, you know? And, and that's the type of thing. Like when you're younger, it's your, your mom and dad who want to know that kind of stuff. And when you get older, it's your kids and your wife or your significant other that needs to know. And sometimes it's as simple as saying, Oh yeah, I got a quarter in my pocket. I'll go find a payphone and I'll make a quick uh, call in and we can communicate and we're all good. But so Ted was talking about, if if you guys don't follow silver symbol on YouTube, he is a, a really cool dude who, deals with a lot of backup power, really big channel. Um, he is, I want to say probably from Boston based on the accent, really smart, really cool dude. And he just had an all battery powered Canadian made power station. It's basically ruggedized made. I want to say it's either made for or made by the military. The entire thing, uh, completely weatherproof they they claim you could leave it outdoors 24/7 365 and not have an issue but take a minute run by and check that thing out it's basically made like one of those i want to say like a plastic footlocker you know the the completely sealable and i guess the entire thing isn't supposed to be accessible it's supposed to have security bits but it had incredible output for power for the size of it um quite heavy but really really cool and you could charge it directly right from your alternator I want to say you could also plug in solar panels and really cool stuff. So if you guys are looking for some really neat cutting edge backup power technology that might be a little bit on the expensive side, check out silver, silver symbol, because uh, his channel's really cool. Um, a couple other quick points about communication during disaster, stay friendly with local people who are going to know what the hell's going on. So if that means, you know, talking to, you know, your local town council or being friendly with the guy who happens to come and service your gas meters or your power meters. Like just knowing people that you can send a quick text message and say, Hey, don't want to bug you. I know you're busy, but can you fill me in on what's going on? That kind of stuff. You know, this is the other end of communication that we don't always talk about or think about is having people relationships that you can call on and say, Hey, I'd really like to know uh, you know, can you just fill me in or do you know what's going on? Or can you give me just a little bit of information? That kind of stuff's really important. Uh, what else did we have? Make a list of the most common disasters in your area because, you know, if power outages are common, then you need to have backup power. If cell service is spotty at the best of times, maybe you need to have a um, a cell booster or you need to make sure you have satellite internet or whatever it happens to be, but know what the most common disasters are in your area. And then base your communication plans around that because, you know, it's like if your area is never prone to wildfires, then you probably don't need to prep your area for wildfires. Ah, what souls have to say? I like this one here. If you invest in your local community, those people will get to know you. Absolutely. And that's, you know, uh, entrepreneurship is really good with that. It's allowed my wife and I to give back a little bit, but you get to know people and just chatting with people. It's the type of thing you never know what you're going to find out until you just take the time and talk to people. And all of a sudden you can be like, Hey, you know, cause I was going to share a little story with you guys anyway, but yesterday afternoon, our CO2 detector went off. And I thought, well, this is weird. Uh, we've never had an issue before. So I unplugged it, plugged it into another outlet and about a half hour later, it went off again, got a little bit nervous. So I called the, uh, the local gas company and she said, uh, you know, anybody sick or any symptoms? No, We seem fine. She said, we're going to send somebody out anyway, um, to test your CO2 levels, make sure everything's okay. In the meantime, she said, take the, the tester outdoors, plug it into an exterior outlet with fresh air around and, and basically just see. And anyway, it ended up going off out there as well. It ended up that my stupid little CO2 detector beeps the same way when it's at the end of its life as it does when it's uh, detecting CO2. However, that being said, the guy came and I had about a half an hour to chat with the local natural gas guy. You know, we talked about a few different things, but I kind of asked him about the infrastructure of our local gas, you know, how hardened it was, how how often we have power or uh, gas outages in our area, and basically I asked him, you know, if there if there was a great big hole in one of the main lines, would we still have gas pressure and some gas? And he said, absolutely, you would. So it was really good, you know, use that time to shoot the shit with people. And uh, Chicken Hawk says I need to start going to the local hardware store first instead of Lowe's, and that is absolutely local. Local relationships are incredible, and you know, yesterday I, I got a notification on Facebook. Uh, somebody was looking for a property manager, and it it ended up being an hour out of town. But one of the ladies that works at the local hardware store tagged me in that because I'm in there. I chat with them. We have we have a really good relationship, and the fact is, they thought of me when it came up. So that is yes. And Ted, you are absolutely correct. I worked at a hardware store for the better part of a decade, uh, and. There is nowhere in the world. I I just, I used to love that like six 30 to seven 30 in the morning when the contractors would come in and you'd just sit around and shoot the shit and you would find out more about what was going on, what people were interested in and what, what people knew about basically by standing around and just chatting with people. And that's important. Sorry guys, but yeah. So having local contacts with people, is one of the best ways to get information and communication in an emergency. So to me, that yeah, like I and Chicken Hawk, I I love that. Like I just there's something about going to the local hardware store. You know, up here we also have a thing called Tim Hortons. Uh, for any of you guys who are familiar with it, I think it got bought by Burger King now. But uh, in my town, we don't have one. But in most towns in Canada, that seems to be the unofficial watering hole, and it's a really good place to go if you want to find out. Uh, who got divorced from whom, but it's also a good place to find out, you know, new projects that are getting built, uh, possibly why, you know, why the power may have went out or or what we're dealing with, but absolutely getting in involved with local community groups, people who know that kind of stuff are absolutely, yes, they do have pretty good coffee. I have to say, but also, uh, one other thing I guess I never really mentioned was being involved in say the local emergency measures groups, that sort of thing. Like, you know, I'm not a huge fan of government, but if I had to choose a level of government to be involved in, it would definitely be the local level simply because you can affect the most change. And, you know, sometimes that's the best way to get involved. And so if you're on the emergency measures group, you know, you're going to be able to make sure your town's prepared when we had the power outage, you know, it turned out that our local hospital didn't have a ton of backup power, which I thought was kind of an issue, but you know, it's nice to know that kind of stuff. And for people like us who are worried about preparations and making sure that we're prepared for bad situations, then, you know, being involved in those communities, you might inadvertently save lives simply because you made a suggestion at a committee meeting. And I can tell you, I don't love committees, but sometimes that kind of thing, is absolutely worth taking the time and investing in those relationships. Uh, What else? Oh, and another quick thing, and I don't think this is completely an urban myth or an urban legend, but text messages obviously can go through easier than phone calls. And I did a little digging on it, and it seems like that still is the case. It always was, but you know, a lot of times if you're trying to make a phone call to somebody, not that many of us really call a whole lot anymore, but just try to send a text message, and it might not go through, but you never know. It just might. And you know, the iMessage with Apple, sometimes when, um, it doesn't go through using data, it'll, uh, or it doesn't go through using the internet, you know, through the iMessage part, it'll, it'll default to a text message an SMS message. And that's a way to get information through as well. So just something to think about guys. I, I don't know, like I, I've been, I've been thinking a lot about, uh, quite a few people, but, um, I got Chad uh, from Telcatcha Farms. I, I probably butchered that name, but he he'd made a comment the other day on a couple of different social media platforms about um, how bad the power outages were down there uh, after the hurricane. And I had a couple other guys who were right in the New Orleans area, and to see you know the trees blowing down and that kind of stuff. And I thought you know we prep for so many things. But one thing that we don't always think about is communication. To me, communication is huge information. If, if you don't have information, you're going to end up maybe heading in the wrong direction, maybe making the wrong decisions, or maybe, you know, sometimes it might just get lazy and I might think, okay, well, the power's supposed to come back on in an hour or two. I won't bother hooking up my generator and getting going. But if I knew, oh my goodness, you know, we have 15 transformers down in the town and the power is going to be out for days. Well, maybe it's time to get the generator right away, get the heat going so that things don't freeze up or, you know, or if it's warm out the you know, the freezer doesn't start losing its cold too quick. So all of that's important. You always got to keep all of that in mind but, um, I, I didn't take, I should take a minute and look at the, uh, let's go back here. Oh, no, I can't see it on the screen. Sorry from Streamyard. but I don't know if anybody was affected by the hurricanes. If any of you guys had any power outages or anything like that, but if you did, I would love, and, and this goes for anybody listening over on float or Odyssey or listening to this through the podcast down the road, uh, get in contact with me. I'd love for you to share your story. And, uh, most importantly, I love hearing, you know, Uh, I'm not a a sadist or anything like that, but I love hearing about how people fared during power outages and disasters so that we can all learn from it. Number one, it's great to see when people were prepared because you can say, oh yeah, you guys did awesome. This is awesome. What did you do right? But there's always something. It's just like coming back from a camping trip. Every time you go camping, I always like to make a list of the things I forgot so that next time I know. And again, that's the same with uh, power outages, dealing with natural disasters. You always end up having a situation where you're like, yeah, you know, I really should have done this. Or you know what? It worked. Or that 1500 watt inverter that I picked up allowed me to run my deep freeze, my sump pump, my fridge. Of course, not all at once, but it was worth having. So anyway, any of you guys want to, you know, get in contact with me through email, therealtimcook at gmail.com or, you know, in the comments down here, I'd love to hear about it down the road guys. Cause and I'd love if anybody's interested in sharing their story through video as well, that would be awesome. Cause I love sharing this kind of stuff. Uh, a few, that's about all I had for the calm side of things, but just a, a few things. Well, I, I guess I told you guys about the uh, CO2 thing. So that was what it was, but so I, I got a question for you. So I've been looking at my stats and for Sunday night, of course, and I, I realized this because a lot of people are on the East coast, it looks like a 6 PM start on my time would be maybe a better time for the live stream. Now, you know, when I first started, I just wanted to get all of this under my belt and get comfortable with live streaming. And I wanted to see how it took off, but To me, the most important thing is getting as many people in here from the community that want to interact as is possible. And I know poor Ted is probably falling asleep at his keyboard right now because it's almost eleven o'clock in Florida. And I'm 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 just thinking maybe next week we might try a six o'clock Mountain Time start, which would be like eight o'clock Ted's time, and maybe it'll pull a few more people in because when you look at my chart, (laughs) that six o'clock on Sunday is the busiest time of the. Uh, of, of the entire week for my channel. Uh, I still can't live stream. Oh shoot. <laughs> it, um, so souls, one thing you, you can't mobile live stream unless maybe that maybe you're talking about something totally different here, of course. But, um, even if you haven't hit a thousand subscribers yet, you can do a desktop live stream. So that would be, uh, kind of neat or whatever, but, Yeah. Ted's, Ted's uh, shooting up some Z's there, but yeah. So anyway, I'm just thinking about maybe popping it two hours earlier, giving it a test for a couple of weeks. So if anybody, you know, if you hate the idea, love the idea, I'm probably going to keep them on Sunday simply because it just works the best for me. And I hate moving the days, but the time, you know, something to look at. So anyway, figured I'd tell you. Um, so I, I guess uh, chicken Hawk, if you're still in here, I thought I would let you guys know next week he's going to be our special guest. We're going to bring him in. He's going to tell us his story. And more importantly, he is going to talk about getting started with solar power. Um, So if you guys are interested in getting started because, so this all, not not all of it, of course, but some of this stemmed back from, I've been doing an AMA, which is an ask me anything on float all week, which is basically just an open text-based interview where anybody can ask you questions And so basically it was around preparedness and I had two questions on solar and I'm like, I hate to be that guy, but I know anyway, (laughs) almost nothing about solar. Well, souls, I would love for you to get in here and, uh, you know, share a little bit with it as well. That'd be awesome because so I I knew nothing. And then I thought, I know who knows about solar chicken Hawk knows about solar. (laughs) He has some really good videos on it. And I thought it would be awesome to get you in here and share. So, Yeah. So he's going to talk about who he is, what he does. I'm sure you guys have seen a lot of his videos. I like to share him. He's a cool dude. Uh, he was in on the, um, the tool time collab we did with eight different, um, uh, content creators earlier this year and souls will have to get you in on that. When we do another one this year, I love doing it maybe around the new year. I'd like to do that. Uh, so yeah. And I talked about the AMA from float this week. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. They even, uh, which was really quite an honor. They, um, Uh, spotlighted me as the, the content creator, small business person of the week on float. And if you guys aren't on float, it is absolutely my favorite social media platform. And I know everybody's like, I don't need another, uh, social media platform. And and, and I get it. It's okay. So soul says I'm setting up a solar farm. I do electric work for the national guard. Oh, well, you know what? I will have to get you on and I'd love to get you on anyway, at any point, but we'll do a, so eventually what I want to do is get into doing multiple interviews, like interviews with three or four people at a time. I uh, haven't done it yet. I'd like to get a couple of more individual interviews under my belt, but uh, souls will have to get you on and talk about all that. I, the thing is there's so many interesting people in our community and I love hearing from all of you. And I, I have ideas right up the wazoo in my phone on, Of all kinds of people and different things I'd love to talk about. So if you guys, if anybody out there is an expert on anything, and I use the term expert lightly because we're all expert, um, but if you're an expert on something you think you'd love to share, let me know because I'd love to get you into here. And honestly, if I could get into doing an interview every two weeks as opposed to like once a month, it would be awesome. And Joseph's got to get back on too. He always has lots to share, and him and I talk like there's no tomorrow. And eventually, like I said, I'd love to get into doing three or four or five of us all on the screen at once. I think it'd be a lot of fun. It'd bring in a bunch of different communities, uh, and you know, grow all of our channels and just allow us to share with everybody. So that would be a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, I I think I mentioned it, but I had an interview with Atlantis weekly. Uh, you can check it out on Instagram live stream on his reels. I I posted in the social, but I also uh, got his permission to use the audio for, um, Oh, John says, sounds great. I hope I can make the earlier time. Yeah. So (laughs) I know that's the worst, right? You move the time around and you're not sure if it's going to work for everybody. We'll test it out. And if you can't, you know what, it's nothing for me to slide back to say seven o'clock, split the difference or go back to my eight o'clock mountain time as well. But and I don't want to screw everybody up and get everybody all frigged up with the time changes and stuff. But I I just want to maybe experiment just a little bit to see what works best for everybody. But yeah, so the, the interview with the Atlantis weekly, it was about a half hour long and the audio is going to be in this week's weekly pot, uh, weekly workshop podcast. So if you want to hear it that way, uh, you can always download it in whatever podcatcher you use, but there'll be links. I'll, I'll post it anyway. And like I said, guys, I'd love if anybody has any stories, even in the past of crazy power outages, like when we were, I would say back in I think it was two, I can't remember hurricane one, 2005. So then that winter we ended up having what they called white one, which I don't know if we could call it that anymore. But anyway, it was basically a hurricane in the middle of the winter. We had drifts that were up to like second floor balconies and we had power outages for a bit. But that was, I think one of the times that I got really passionate about getting out and dealing with emergency situations. You know, I, I'd go to my, my aunt had a wood burning stove, so she was able to make coffee and tea and that was fun. Uh, Ted says he'd love to learn about solar. I'm getting used to, to the time. Look forward to the live stream before bed. Okay. Well, you know what? Maybe (laughs) I tell you what throughout the week, guys, you guys think about it, get back to me. I won't, um, how do you want to put it? I won't set it in stone yet, but I'm, I'm really leaning toward trying a six o'clock one next week, just to see if that works for chicken Hawk. If it doesn't work for you, Hawk, we'll keep it at eight and we'll try one next week. But I, I, I know I just threw all that on him cause I never even mentioned it, but yeah. So uh soul says he survived the blizzard of 77. How bad was that? Because ours was, ours was horrible, but it wasn't the worst storm in Nova Scotia history. That was the groundhog day storm in the seventies. I can't remember exactly what year it was. Uh, it was before my time. I don't want to date myself, but dad was without power for, I'll make it work. Anything for you. <laughs> now you're going to make me turn red. I'm already a little red in the forehead anyway, you know, but but yeah, so the, yeah, the big blizzards are the worst because, you know, a hurricane, the power goes out while well, it's still warm outside. A blizzard, the power goes out and you're still dealing with it. But I want to say my dad, if I you know, I, hear, I heard the stories a thousand times, but he had no power for five days. And if he'd have been a little further down Digby Neck where we grew up, which is just basically a long very skinny strip of land where people live, just at the bottom tip of Nova Scotia. If you'd have been just past where the water came in, it would have been uh, two weeks without power. And but he said back then, you know, it was an inconvenience, but a lot of people were used to it. So let's see what we got here. So uh, Ted remembers a blizzard of '77. Myself couldn't even get out of the house. <laughs> and Soul says we climbed out the second floor window and had to dig up a bit to do it. it was just south of Buffalo at the time. Well, in the best of winters, uh, Buffalo gets a lot of snow. But I would, it was glorious for a young man. Yes, and you know, I'll sound like an old man, Sonny. But it, we don't seem to get the winter storms like we used to, and maybe that's a good thing. I know occasionally they do. Uh, Newfoundland a couple of years ago had some of those where people had to climb out the second story window, and you saw pictures where deer were up on people's second story uh, roofs or up on the roofs. I thought that was kind of neat. But yeah, I, I I love hearing the stories about it, and that was the only one. uh, Ted was just south of Chicago. My dad was stranded for days. So it must have been, uh, I, I'm going to have to Google about this guys, but it must have basically went across most of, well, I mean that you're, you're talking from Buffalo to Chicago, that's half the continent right there. So it must've been pretty bad. I, um, yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to ask my dad if he remembers it and I haven't chatted with him in a little while. All right, guys. Well, we hit 55 minutes tonight, which is awesome. If you guys were hanging in there on the podcast uh, feed, I appreciate it as well. Um, I think we will call her a night right here. If you guys are good with that. So we will see you next Sunday for talking tools. I will let you know for sure what the time's going to be. Chicken Hawk's going to be on, uh, talking about solar power and, uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. We'll, uh, we'll get everything up and running. And, oh, the Exxon Valdez oil spill changed some of our weather patterns. Oh, well, that's rather interesting. I'll have to look into that, too. But (laughs) All right, guys, it's 9 o'clock my time. It's time for Ted to go to bed. I know it is, but uh, at that, we'll call her quits. As always, guys, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.
1: This is Kyle Massey, Atlantis Gazette. We'll be joined today by... uh handyman and tool blogger, as well as a survival blogger. His page is Tim, the tool man. And uh, we will be getting him on. Sure, yeah, hey, I'm uh, Tim,
0: uh, call me tool man Tim, Tim Cook. I live up in the uh, frozen tundra that is East Central Alberta, Canada. I run a YouTube channel called The Workshop where I do tool reviews, preparedness stuff, the whole works. Um, live up here with my wonderful wife, We still have two kids at home, run a handyman business. My wife runs a daycare up here and passionate about preparedness.
1: All right. And how did you get into uh, preparedness?
0: Well, (laughs) I get funny. I, I, you know, it was
1: something, I, I grew up on the East Coast, um, out in
0: Nova Scotia, so uh, also a cold area, but, you know, prone to a lot more snow and that sort of stuff. So you, you grew up in an area where you're always dealing with some really nasty storms, some really nasty weather, and out there, um, there, of course, there's a ton of trees, a lot of down power lines, and you're dealing with prolonged power outages. You know, I always heard the stories of the Groundhog Day storm from my dad, from the It was basically, you know, the worst blizzard, a hurricane-style blizzard in the middle of the winter. And so, you know, they had a couple of weeks without power. And for us, you know, two or three days without power was a common occurrence growing up. So anyway, um, for those who are old enough, you remember back to Y2K. (laughs) I (laughs) I was uh, just, just getting out of university just right in that time, and I was home. And, you know, the world was going crazy. We were all nervous. And I thought, well, I know what I'll do. I'll go out and buy a, a case of bottled water and I'll fill the bathtub with water and we should be good, you know? And <laughs> it turned out everything was fine, you know, they, they dealt with it and whatever, but it never really left me. And as, you know, as I got married and got a little bit older, we realized, hey, there's a ton of things that we're not prepared for. And, you know, being practically prepared to deal with the little things, you know, like the power outages or, you know, having enough money saved up in case you lose your job or, you know, you get sick and you need to be self-sufficient or say you can't get to the grocery store for a couple of weeks, just having some food on hand. You know, all of that was something that we realized, Hey, we're kind of lacking. And as a family, maybe it's time to fill in some of those. And, and then of course, I like to share that with other people who, you know, because a lot of people aren't, aren't prepared or don't think about the, unexpected and then of course you know you don't need a generator until the power's out but you can't buy a generator when the power's out right so (laughs) or you remember back to all the fun craziness last year and everybody needed toilet paper right but if you had a little extra toilet paper on hand before you started you wouldn't have to go out and you know risk your sanity or your health to, to to try to get something you're worried you won't be able to get you know that kind of stuff just simple everyday practical stuff there's so much insanity and craziness and fear mongering out there i just want people to be you know prepared for things like house fires and tornadoes and um
1: hurricanes and power outages you know that practical preparedness you know yeah uh definitely and uh you've hit some uh true california nerves with uh, prepared for fire as well as for generators the state ran out of generators about two years ago uh luckily i was able to borrow a generator from a. Uh, Relative.
0: Oh, nice. So uh, what were you dealing with then? Was it a, uh, was it uh,
1: California has rolling blackouts for fire safety.
0: I see that that has got to be tough. I, that's something I've never had to deal with up here. We, you know, I I live, I I guess I did say, but on the prairies, like we're almost as flat as it goes. You know, you can watch your dog run away from you for three, three hours. You know, it's, it's pretty, it's nice up here, but you know, so we do, this year has been exceptionally dry, which I think has been the issue in a lot of places. And so we deal with a lot of um, early spring grass fires and they can be really bad, you know, and we have a lot of, uh, we have a really big oil storage facility less than an hour away from us. And that's always a concern too. You know, there's a lot of really high trained firefighting professionals in the area, but fire is always a concern when you're dealing with that kind of stuff too.
1: Yeah. And, uh, I'll just add in California's case, um... The power companies kind of were allowed to, they're, they're not, they're private, but they're state run, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're allowed to get away with uh, paying higher shareholder dividends. And then uh, they never replace their equipment. So they have old equipment that likes to uh, spark up, but they're replacing the equipment now. So they've been doing less blackouts the last year or so. so. Things are improving, but uh, it's definitely a, a fun thing. And it's uh, the generator market in California has just been booming. I I can just imagine. And you know, and it, again, like I,
0: I my, my daughter asked me the other day, what she wanted some of my uh, some famous not famous quotes, but rules that I live by or quotes that I live by. And I I told her my absolute favorite one is the second best time to do something is now. Of course, the, the first best time, hindsight is twenty twenty, and you should have went and got a generator, whatever, doesn't matter. But the second best time to do anything, start a business, get prepared, you know, any of that is right now, right? So, and that's the same with preparedness, baby steps, little things, you know, I, I see uh, Jess Rentschett said there that uh, um, they gave their generator away and moved into an apartment. And there's there's still a lot you can do in small apartments, you know, just maybe not to the same extent, right? You can have some camping gear, like a small camping stove, if you have a balcony, you know you can cook out there, and there's a lot of really good battery-powered generators out there right now that don't make any noise, don't make any heat, uh, don't have any fumes, no need for fuel storage, and you can run a lot of things. If you pair things down to just you know maybe a few lights, a TV, some really low-drain devices, and you cycle things on and off, you you can run a lot off of a couple of batteries on a really small
1: storage for an apartment too. So. Oh wow. Well that's definitely a good tip for uh for apartments and uh I like what you said about starting small to get into uh preparedness. Uh what would be um if you had someone who knew zero about preparedness and hadn't done anything, how would you start that start that person?
0: First off, I would say don't get overwhelmed because if, if anybody's like me, uh I, I tend to go pretty crazy into things like a I I get interested and then my brain is like, oh, a
1: squirrel, and I run down this area and I run that area and I I, I follow it, you know, and I I get passionate about it. And I I suspect you might be a little like me in that uh, it's an excuse to go uh, read and buy toys and plan for things that are unlikely but are really fun too.
0: Absolutely. Now, I I will say one thing about um, practical preparedness. Everything, uh, almost everything I buy has a daily use so you know for instance my grill i just i I bought a new barbecue a few months ago and i decided to buy one this time that i could uh, hook into natural gas so it gave me an excuse of course who doesn't love to grill who doesn't love to buy a new barbecue right (laughs) however (laughs) it also gave me an excuse to install an outside outlet of natural gas on the outside so now i have an unlimited supply of natural gas for my grill. So I can also, if the power goes out and say we didn't have electricity, I can cook outdoors. Also that outlet allows me to now tap into my generator and run my generator off natural gas as well. So I I do, and don't get me wrong. I love to buy tools. I love to buy lots of gear, but I try to make sure that everything I buy, I can use on a daily basis. Because if you spend thousands of dollars on anything that you feel, you're like, Oh, this is really cool. I'll go buy this. And then you never use it. Or it's not something you use on a daily basis. To me, it's, you know, it's a bit of a, it's a waste, right? So but as far as sorry, I, I digress but to go back to your, your question. Yeah. So the first thing for somebody just getting started, say you, you realize, my goodness, I just got married, or I just moved into my first place. And I have absolutely nothing, I feel like I'm totally lost. And a lot of times when people are starting to think, well, what could go wrong or what might go wrong? And and it doesn't mean that it will, but look at the things first that are most likely to maybe go wrong, like a small power outage, right? And then, okay, what, what can I have on hand that doesn't cost me a lot? Because everybody's on a budget, right? So the next time you go to, say, Dollar Tree, pick up a couple of packages of cheap sunbeam batteries, for instance, those are cheap and somewhere to start. Or, pick up a couple of flashlights just get yourself a small very inexpensive everybody can scrape well I don't want to say everybody but most people can scrape up an extra five or ten dollars every paycheck or once a month to build a little power outage kit you know or look at the things so another thing is food of course and in a bad power outage you don't want to necessarily have to run to the store and pick things up number one the store might be closed and number two it's dark. <laughs> Number three, you don't want to be out there with everyone else, right? So again, the the best way to be prepared is to have a little bit on hand. So figure out the shelf stable items that you eat. So it might be Campbell soup, uh, might be beef stew, it might be chili, it might be ramen noodles, whatever the weird, gross, whatever it is you like to eat, figure that out. And when you go to the grocery store, and say your grocery bills, I don't know, well, ours is astronomical. But anyway, you know, say it's <laughs> right. So buy four extra cans or two extra cans of your favorite Campbell soup and put that in there. And, and that is an extra half a percent to your grocery bill. And all of a sudden you've built that up. And now, if you know how much soup you eat in a week, have that much on hand, it might take you three months to just get your soup, but you know what, you're doing one thing, right? And then do that the same, find all yourself shelf stable stuff and just build slowly because anything you have is going to help. You know, all of the government organizations, they all recommend having enough for 72 hours. And you know what? 24 hours is better than zero hours. And if 72 hours, that much stuff on hand intimidates you, then start with 24 hours. Get a few cans of soup. Get a few bottles of water. If if you drink pop or anything in a two-liter bottle, fill those full of water. You got free water coming out of your taps that you can fill and have on hand that costs you literally nothing. You know, if you feel uncomfortable storing it long-term, dump it out once a year or every six months and cycle it But Then you've got water, you've got a little bit of food on hand, and then maybe, like I said, some batteries, a flashlight, just a few things to make you a little more comfortable during a, an emergency. And, and it, it, it just baby steps. Everything, if you break it down into small pieces, and that's how I, I go over any large problem. Break it down into small pieces and then do a little bite here, a little bite there, and it doesn't feel too overwhelming.
1: Right. And um, so how would you take that advice for someone at the opposite end, someone who uh, wants to spend, perhaps even waste money as a hobby? Because I know there are some fun things that uh, a prepper could buy.
0: Yes. So, okay. Number one, hobbies are fun, right? Yeah. Hobbies aren't always a waste of money per se, I guess would be the way to look at it. What because everybody needs a creative outlet or everybody needs an outlet to, because I always need something to put my brain into. It, it doesn't matter. It, if I'm not learning, I am I just, I go stir crazy, right? So whether that's a new handyman skill or whether it's a new preparedness skill or, uh, you know, uh, well, I'm just trying to think what I've learned in the last couple of years, like knitting, <laughs> a sewing machine, a 3D printer. Um, I had a, yeah, this is in my office, you can't see it, but I, I set up a hydroponics uh, system over there. Earlier last year to, to grow some lettuce, you know. So, hobbies are good, but if you're like me and that I go crazy into something, learn it all, and then move on a little bit, be cautious about spending too much into that. You know, if say say you want to become a competitive target shooter, or at least you want to become interested in that, well, you could spend fifty thousand dollars on ammo and a of guns pretty easy. Or say you wanted to. You know, if it's something you're going to continue with, I always say, wait a little while. If it's a big purchase, not really sure, because there's so much stuff that you can get into. Just just take a minute. And if it's something you're still into after three to six months, then, yeah, maybe it's time to do an investment. Or, again, a lot of times buying used is a really good option as well. It's the same way with tools. You know, when you start out in a business, find something that it might not be quite as good as what you want but it allows you to get your feet wet and see if you're interested. It's just like talking to learning an instrument, you know, but, but get them, get their feet, get your feet wet. And if you like it, then sell that and go in a little higher because yes, the sky's the limit. You could build, Oh my goodness. I mean, you could build an underground bunker and have complete off-grid time. Mean, you can go as big as you want, but you know, start small and keep focused, have, have goals and, and figure out where you're heading. And every time you go to purchase something in that hobby, ask
1: yourself, is that helping me toward a goal? All right. And um, you also do uh, tool reviews, I recall. Yes, absolutely.
0: That's kind of what got me started into content creation. And again, I, I'm a handyman business, so I, it was kind of an offshoot of it. And I kind of like to talk, so there's that. And I figured, hey, why not start talking? And um, you know, one of the big areas on YouTube or content creation <laughs> That were areas for recurring income, recurring views is tool reviews or reviews in general. And I love talking about tools. My wife gets a little tired of hearing me talk about tools. So I figured, hey, time that I could get on here and do a little bit myself. So I started just building into it and it really grew. Like for years, I, I worked at a hardware store and sold tools. So I always knew about them. And then I branched out on my own and started doing this handyman thing and i'm like hey i know this tool i'd really like to talk about that and so it kind of merged into you know it, it really started as a, a handyman start a handyman business channel and then it got into uh building uh, talking about tools and how much i like tools <laughs> and, and trying to and the big thing was people are always looking for a, a recommendation on how do, how does this work, or, or you know, whenever you go to buy something, where do you go? You go to you. Well, I do anyway. I go to YouTube. I'm like, I want to watch reviews on this because I'd like to buy it. You know, so then people start to trust you. They're like, oh, okay. So Tim, what what's your recommendation on a nine um, volt battery charger, for instance, or what's your recommendation on? I, I just answered a question. I do. Um, a segment on the survival podcast. I answer tool questions, that sort of thing. And A guy asked me, what's your recommendation on an electric leaf blower? And so you know, coming to you. So you wanna make sure that you're being honest about the reviews and sharing the things you like. And I love to talk about, I rarely review a tool that I didn't like because I do the research ahead of time. And then if it's something I really hate, I just don't talk about it. And if it's something I really like, I get on and share it and tell you, hey, here's another product that meets the Toolman tim seal of approval and you know i add it to my list and then if people ask me i can point to it over at the shop on my website and say hey look here's something else i've used and i really like it and it works for me
1: all right and uh what's the, maybe the most unique or rare tool you've uh reviewed i would
0: say the most unique actually it's this guy right here so that uh, is a neck knife and um Patrick Rohrman from MT Knives is a buddy of mine. Um, I ordered one from him. They're, they're handcrafted. These are, these are stamped out and then he does all the finish work on them. And so they're cool. I, I really like it. They're light. I'll show you. And everybody, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but I, I need a knife wherever I go. I always like to have one. I, you know, it's unbelievable whether it's opening Amazon packages or trimming off a little piece of siding that's just in the way and you need something, right? And I can't stand having things in my pockets. I can't. Number one, I either lose Or number two, they're always rubbing and bugging me and all of that, right? So I thought, I started hearing about these neck knives. I thought, oh, yeah, here you go. You're you're 40. You're going to start carrying a neck knife and, you know, uh, dressing up like an army man or something like that, right? (laughs) So anyway, I asked my wife. I said, honey, she asked me what I want for my birthday. And I said, I'd I'd really like a neck knife. It'd be really fun. And so I got one. And it turned out it really worked for me because... It's almost like forced compliance. You know, I always want to have a knife on me, but I really like having things in my pockets. So I'll set it out on the counter or whatever. Well, this, I put it on in the morning and it's there all day. It never falls out. It's always there. It's light. It's flat. It never gets in the way. It's not dangerous. And yeah, I, I would say that is by far my most unique. I Yeah, a knife is definitely a
1: tool. All right. And we have Jess it here asking for what's one prep that you feel people overlook?
0: You know what, it, and this might sound silly, but honestly, I, I would say it's uh, fuel storage. So everybody, like, I just talked to my dad recently, they had another power outage, he, he's still on the, on the East Coast there. And uh, a story, you know, um, a family member of ours bought a generator a few years ago, and they ended up having it, and they were awesome. And then the power went out, and you know what they didn't have? They didn't have any gas on hand. They had less than five gallons of gas in a gas jug. And so they drove 45 minutes to wait in line with their car to get one five gallon gas of jug, uh, um, jug of gas. That's what they're limiting them to. So they burnt probably five gallons worth of gas driving to a gas station to get five gallons worth of gas to run in their generator. And so, and I know fuel is so boring or, you know but you can have an awesome generator, you can have the best extension cords, you can have it all plugged into your home but if you don't have fuel, and, and that goes as far as batteries and all that as well, but but fuel's important. And that can be as simple as, say, having four five-gallon gas jugs out in your garage full of gas and cycling them out. So every three months, you take one of those jugs, or every four months, you take one of those jugs, dump it in your truck or your car, and then go to the gas station and fill that up. So it's always fresh. It never goes old. But you would not believe how many people I talk to that say, hey, I got a generator, power went out. I didn't have any fuel, you know, (laughs) so, and another, you know, again, it might be as simple or more complicated as hooking into natural gas or, or getting one that runs on propane. But so often people run out and get the gear and then they think, Oh, I got it. I'm good. But then they have nothing to run it on or very, very little, or they don't treat their gas or cycle their gas out and they end up having a whole bunch of skunky gas. That's no good for nothing. And you can't run off it.
1: Right. Uh, so the transition here, do you see a book uh, in your future on survival or on prep or perhaps even a novel related? I've I
0: i I've always had a book in me. Always. I, I know there's one in there somewhere. I even last year, I started writing a, a, a book on how to start a handyman business. And, you know, it's, it's almost 200 pages now. And i, I you, you get to a point, I have a good friend, uh, she's an author, and she talks about sometimes you, you work on a book and then you just shelve it because it's just not, I, you know, and you can put hours and hours and hours into something, and then all of a sudden you realize it's just not heading in the direction that you want it to. And I've got so many ideas bouncing around up in my head that I would love to, you know, I've, I, like, the rules that I live by, that I would love to put something like that together. I would love to still put something, I think it got too bloated, but I'd love to cut it back down to something like an 80 to a hundred page smaller book because there's, you know, you can get as crazy as you want into entrepreneurship and financial freedom. But a lot of times when you read those books, you know, there's 10 or 20 pages in there. That's awesome. And the rest is kind of fluff, but yes, eventually, but right now between putting out, you know, five videos a week, my podcast, my full-time, um, handyman business, helping my wife launch her uh, daycare that we've been running for just about a year now. I've kind of shelved any of those plans, but it's coming I and I get a lot more time in the winter. I do snow removal up here and it, it's a long, cold winter. And so there's a lot more free time. And I think I'll I'll revisit some of those plans. But, but yeah, there is one in there and it will come out eventually. I've got so many stories from my life that are just foolish and crazy. And I, I would love to put them all on paper someday. Just I'm not at that point yet.
1: All right, well, we hope that the they do make paper uh someday, and um yeah, I was going to agree with you that uh sometimes the business books or entrepreneur books they have a lot of uh a lot of fluff in them. You can skim them in like an hour at least I find <laughs> I'm able to skim through, read about twenty pages, and have essentially read the book. It's true. You know what? I always used to joke uh, about like, um, I
0: remember back in college and in, in my work, you know, when I was working for the man, I used to say, you know, almost every staff meeting could be boiled down to an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. And you end up sitting there for an hour and a half because first off, somebody has to justify the time they're there. And then you always have five or six foolish questions that you're like, really, did you have to ask that? And it's the same with books. You know, it's almost like sometimes people feel like they have to hit that magic 150 200 pages, and a lot of times it's like, oh, you have some really good ideas here, really good ideas here, and then there's just so much around it. And yes, you can you can pull it out. So I and I I honestly found that mine was getting a little bit like that. And I'm like, you know what? It's time to step back, shelve it for a year or two, and then go back and start paring it down after after a bit. You know?
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. There's a pressure, maybe a stigma that you don't want to sell a 50 page book it is not a book at that point right um, and then uh, certainly in various work capacities I would add extra paragraphs um, extra half pages just to make it look like uh, well I do legal work so just to make it look like legal work as a, especially yep. as an intern you add yep. some stuff in there you know you didn't need to talk about this case but you put it in there so it looks like you did your work yep due diligence and it yeah, I I get it. There it
0: has to be a it has to hit a certain um, a certain size in order to um, yeah, just to to be considered legitimate, you know.
1: Yeah, definitely, especially uh, years ago when I was an intern, you definitely wanted like that certain length, or else uh, you thought that they would think you're not working. But uh, once I hit the work world, uh, you stop adding the fluff and stuff got a lot shorter. Yep. It, it... True, you know, if you a lot of times if you can't
0: say it in a paragraph or you know a sentence, maybe you, I don't know. Anyway, it it is, and and that's not the only reason, but it just you know I haven't had time to put into it. But yeah, I, whatever I put out there, it, it will be. I probably have two or three up here eventually, but yeah, it, it's true. And it and and some people, you know what? Some books you can read the entire thing. You're like, yeah, that was awesome from start to finish. But then a lot of times, like you said, there's a lot of those extra paragraphs in there too.
1: Yeah, especially I think it's uh particularly in the business business entrepreneur space that it's such a popular area. I think a lot of people want to have books there. Um,
0: It's true because it draws you in. And, and you know what, when, when it comes down to it, people ask all the time, how can I become an entrepreneur or, you know, you do it, you start. And that I know it blows people away and they hate bad answers. And, you know, you can spend 200, 300 pages explaining to people that exact, principle but the fact remains that if you want to be an entrepreneur you need to start and you need to keep doing it every single day small steps you know one percent or ten percent increase every week of, of getting a little bit better at what you do and that that's what it comes down to is just and, and if somebody's out there waiting for permission to start a business i give it to you it's okay you know go ahead because <laughs> there's that first step is the biggest one and and if i could give any one piece of advice that you'll I think most our books and you know, you can kind of sum it all up in that, but it, yeah, it's just do it. Start and deal with it from there.
1: All right. Um, and so where can our viewers find you? Absolutely.
0: Probably the easiest place to find me would be toolmantim.co. Uh, that's toolmantim.co. I've got my website over there. I'm, I'm most active. Of course, you'll see me on, um, YouTube. That's I've five videos a week there. There's a, a podcast as well, which is an audio compilation of all those videos that comes out on Thursdays, the weekly workshop. Uh, but it's all in there. And as far as social media, um, of course, Instagram, I'm on here a fair bit. Um, Miwi, I'm uh, on some of the alternative platforms a little bit. I have pretty big audiences over there, and I really enjoy them. But of course, I still have my uh, my business slash Toolman site on Facebook, but also MeWe and Float and uh, Odyssey, which is a, a kind of a YouTube uh, open free platform that I, I really enjoy as well. They they mirror all my content from YouTube and bring it over there for me, and uh, it's a really nice platform. So, but you can find all of that on ToolmanTim.co, and there's a shop section there, and that's where I have pretty much everything I've ever reviewed and people are always asking like, Hey Tim, what do you, what do you use for this? Like I, my, my kid just wanted to help me and they got paint all over my vinyl siding. What do I use to remove it? And I said, go over there. There's a big write up on goof off. It'll work great. But yeah, I've got all kinds of different categories of things people are looking for. And it just points them off to Amazon for what they're
1: looking for. So. All right. And then uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to review, but there's a, uh, and I'm forgetting the name. There's a company, I think it's out of the Czech Republic or Germany, and they make um, axes and two-man swords, not swords, saws. Okay. Uh, And they have a – they send a catalog throughout the states, and somehow we got the catalog. Um, And I have no reason for a fancy axe or a two-man saw, but it's definitely something that's intrigued me to buy. So I don't know if you have any chance to review anything like that. I haven't. It's not practical. No, oh no, no, I,
0: I know, <laughs> trust me, but that's okay. Sometimes things are cool, you know. It, I get it, it's it, I, I love stuff like that. I've had a lot of friends that have been into collecting, uh, you know, higher end gear and stuff like that, and I, I love it. And you know, a lot of times, my wife, if I say, Hey, honey, I'm looking at it, she just rolls her eyes and she, it's okay, but yeah, you should, I would love to see the link to that. I, I love all kind because you know, we grew up not to get, but I grew up on the east coast, we used to have to cut 12 cord of wood every winter just to heat our house, and so I love you know cutting felling trees and, and the works but yeah I w- i'd love to see that
1: all right well i'll get you the link and uh do you have any questions for us today uh not really no i just i really appreciate it i love it
0: um i i, I love your name the atlantis gazette it it just it gives me that uh old-timey newspaper kind of saturday morning post feel it's just a really nice name i really like that and and yeah. thanks really appreciate it i know we uh our circles kind of overlap i see it a- of the other people that you've interviewed before. And I, I really, it, it's fun. I always love getting interviewed and talking to people that are outside of the, the, like the, um, my normal circles, you know, I, I love help getting out there and spreading my message to
1: everybody. So it's great. All right. Well, uh, thank you for being here and, uh, I'll get you that link. Thanks man. Have a great day. I appreciate it. All right. See ya.
0: Thanks again guys for dropping by the weekly workshop. A new edition drops every week so keep an eye out. And if you're looking for a solution to such problems as I spilled paint on vinyl siding or I can't get this heavy picture to stay on the wall, stop by toolmantim.co and check out the Today's Tool section where I share products and tools that have either made me money or saved me money personally or in my long-running year-round handyman business. And if you found value in this content, Please take a moment and share it on your social platform of choice. And as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.